to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Welcome to church. I hope you're good. hope you're alive. And uh, man, I so enjoyed uh, the time of worship. I think that's uh, amazing. Sure that you did too. Uh, can't really hear you as you respond. This is a brand new uh, experience for me. So uh, yeah, holler, shout, uh, but probably won't be able to hear you. But thanks so much for participating in church this morning. Uh, I have a, a, a real, um, well, I'll describe it as, uh, I believe it's a pastoral word that I'd like to bring to you this morning. Uh, you know, we are breaking out of our rhythm of teaching. You know, usually we will look at scripture, expound on scripture. Um, we're currently on a series called Life Together. But I thought, you know, since this is our first time gathering in such a manner, uh, I would re- really like to give a pastoral word directly in response to the challenge that we're facing. But first of all, you know, um, I'd like to just share with you uh, what the plan is for this online church experience. You know, we are going to do this for as long as we need to. That would mean uh, we are actively looking for ways for us to come back together and physically gather together to worship and that will mean uh, implementing uh, additional measures uh, that the government has recommended and so we, the team is really working hard to uh, ensure that the church is compliant uh, and so that we can come back together and worship face to face you know I think I think that's the goal here but uh, you know the the plan is also you know as we carry on this uh, online church gathering experience uh, for us to eventually regain some manner of normalcy. Uh, By that I mean, you know, like for example, uh, uh, the online uh, service experience starts at 10 a.m. sharp. And so, you know, we we have a fixed start time and then we'll take the content off uh, the platform. And this is uh, really for all of us to be committed and encouraged to show up to church at a specific time, to show up on time. And I think it's really important for us to maintain that regular rhythm of showing up to church or being committed to community in this time of disruption. And the goal is for us to attain some measure of normalcy, whatever it looks like. That would mean, you know, the future online gatherings uh, would really, really, you know, be like our atypical church experience. We'll teach scripture, we would we'll do whatever we typically do in a church experience. And so that is the goal for this online gathering. And, um, you know, I think for church in this hour, for our church in this hour, we need, we need like ninja-like adaptability, dexterity, and agility in this time, even as we adapt to measures. Even as I'm sharing this right now, my staff are working really hard to inform you of measures that just came in as we are filming. And so, you know, this will require like agility, adaptability, but also patience and grace, even as we navigate through these times. So, so I want to highly, highly uh, encourage you to encourage my staff, you know, shoot some prayers up to the sky, you know, talk to my staff, encourage them, buy them coffee, buy them gifts. Uh, they're really working really hard uh, in this time to uh, just keep all of us connected and plugged in the life of the church. So we need that kind of agility. Um, but, you know, I also think that in this time, it presents itself as such a great opportunity for us to translate panic and anxiety that's in the climate all around us into love and preparation. And I want to emphasize that, you know, that love, uh, it looks like, of course, nice words. It looks like gifts. It looks like physical uh, affection. Uh, at this time, not really encouraged, but it looks like all these things. But it can also look 
like hospitality and preparation. And so uh, if you're hosting a gathering, and, uh, and at this time, uh, it's still okay to host a gathering at this time of filming. It might change. But if you're doing that, uh, we ask that you uh, uh, prepare for some of these gatherings by implementing these measures. And uh, if you're showing up to these gatherings, that you'll prepare yourself well as well, you know, take the temperature, do all the necessary. And I think love uh, can, be trans can be communicated and expressed through preparation. And so I think it is a great time uh, for the church to discover and rediscover uh, the intent, the purpose, and uh, what our role on planet Earth uh, actually is to be. And this is what I'm really going to zone in and talk about uh, this morning. And so uh, if you have a Bibles with you, and I really hope you do, uh, will you turn with me to Romans uh, chapter 12? We're going to look at verse 9 to 13 as our opening passage of Scripture, even as we begin uh, this time of sharing. This is God's Word. Verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is God's word. And what an apt scripture to be reading in this time. Now, I just want to give you a bit of cultural context and background to uh, the book of Romans and especially uh, that passage that we just read. You know, the Roman church in this time uh, is in a cultural moment where they're facing all sorts of challenges, right? You know, being under Roman rule, being under and uh, facing uh, what they were facing. And Paul, the writer of the book Romans, just begins firing all these exaltations about how to be the body of Christ in the midst of challenges. He says, pray, love, show hospitality, care for one another, rejoice. And this really is the blueprint and I would say uh, the template we are to follow about how we ought to respond in times of crises and challenge. Love, pray, show hospitality, care for one another, do not lose your spiritual fervor. Now, I vaguely re recall the SARS outbreak in 2003. I was 13 years old then. I remember we had two weeks off of school. Uh, but for the most part, I didn't really remember much of the economic impact. I didn't really remember the fear or uh, the anxiety. I didn't remember uh, the numbers of people who were affected. And so, you know, when this crisis hit us uh, with the recent coronavirus, I began to talk to older people in our community older, not old people, older people in a committee. And I asked them like simple questions. I was like, uh, do you remember the SARS outbreak? And, uh, and was it bad? You know, how did you respond? Uh, where were you? You know, what did you do? What did you not do? I asked my parents the same question. Were you panicking? Were you anxious? Were you scared? What happened? What didn't happen? And all that stuff, right? You see, I believe that this moment is a defining moment for the body of Christ. This moment will be a moment that you will recount with your grandchildren, with younger people, and they will ask you this question. What did you do in the time of the coronavirus outbreak? Where were you at? What happened? What was the feeling? Did you give in to it? Did you not do it? And this is a defining moment for all of us as believers, but also for the body of Christ at large. What would we want to be known for? What would we like history to write, to say about us in this time? It is a defining moment. We are indeed living in extraordinary times in the history of the body of Christ, right? In the midst of this public health crisis, where many are scrambling to make sure we have what we need 
and many are trying to make sense of it all and also discovering ways that we can still love, serve, give, and be the body of Christ in this time. And much of what the virus has brought is really unprecedented, uh, especially for younger people living in the modern age. We see major disruptions in giant industries like hospitality and air travel, mass hysteria and panic in communities all over the world, lockdowns, border closures, quarantines, suspensions, and distancing, all words that are necessary, yet words that bring so much fear and anxiety. Now, you may not be aware about this, but it's, it's a fact. Uh, this is actually my first time pastoring in the midst of a pandemic. And so it's a brand new experience for me. I'm learning something new every day, and uh, it's been so challenging, interesting, uh, and then challenging all over again. And it's such a brand new experience for me, navigating through these difficult tensions. I don't want to make light of it, but it is difficult, right? Navigating through all these tensions between like faith and fear and whatnot. I'm sure all of you grapple with these tensions in your heart as well, trying to make sense of it all. I want to start first uh, my my message by saying this. And please do hear me in saying this. This virus, this outbreak, all that we see around us has not taken God by surprise. God is not surprised. He is not shaken. Yes, his heart hurts with those who are hurting, but God is not shaken. He is still on his throne. He rules. He reigns. He is over it all. And with our cares and worry upon him, our eyes on him and our hope in him, I believe And I firmly believe that this could be the church's finest hour. In this time, if we choose not to be shaken, if we choose, still choose to love, to hold on to our spiritual fervor, to care, to give, this could be our finest hour. And this is the message I'd like to bring to you this morning. I've titled this message, Our Finest Hour, because I do sincerely believe that in a time of unprecedented shaking, all the things that we're seeing around us, the time of great, unprecedented challenges, at the same time, there is an unprecedented opportunity presented to us as a church. This could be our defining moment. God is not the author of the virus. He is not the purveyor of sickness. But God, we know our God, is able to take all things and make it good. He is able to bring purpose in the midst of pain. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 tells us this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Now we exercise and claim this verse often in our lives. All things work together for good and we claim it for every area of our life. You know, we recite it in the morning. Some of us have it tattooed on our sleeves you know, and, and whatnot. We claim this verse. God is able to make all things work together for my good. But if we were to read Romans chapter 8, and actually read this verse in this context, it'll be startling to know that this verse was specific in its response and its relation to suffering. To suffering. This comes at the tail end of an entire passage on suffering, what it means to suffer well. And in my Bible, the subheading reads, from suffering to glory. And I believe that in the midst of suffering, there can be glory. There can be praise and honour attributed to our God in the midst of suffering. And what Paul is saying in this passage is that even in the midst of suffering, struggles and hardships, there can be good born out of it. But see, good isn't simply a favorable outcome or pleasant outworking. It is God's will 
and intent established and expressed. Now, one of our life group leaders, uh, Andrew Tam, love Tam, uh, gave us an excellent reminder in our life group leaders chat. He said this, in this time, uh, pray and ask God what is he doing and revealing in this time to move beyond prayers of keep us safe and give leaders wisdom, but to ask God what is important to him. What is he thinking? What is he doing in this moment? I think that's so needed in this moment, right? Because I, I found myself, even in this time of responding to different advisories, making sure the notes go out on time, that I've become really earthbound in my thinking. I found myself reacting more than uh, being still, being at peace. And I think many of you feel the same way as well. Bill Johnson, you know, in uh, reading the Gospels, made this observation about Jesus' life. He said this, Jesus never lived in reaction to the devil. He only lived in response to the Father. And what a statement on our Messiah, that the Messiah, the way he lived, how he conducted himself, his actions, his deeds, his thoughts, were not determined by the enemy and his onslaught, but it was shaped and formed by the Father. Scripture tells us that Jesus was only about, always about the Father's business. And I know what has a hold on you by how much it determines your agenda, dominates your conversation, and dictates your response. It is in this time that we need to not react to the devil, but respond to the Father. So even this time, you know, as we choose to not react and partner with fear and anxiety, the question we ought to ask ourselves as the church, as the body of Christ all over the world, is this, how do we rise up? How do we respond? How do we be God's people in this time? It's so important that the church adopts a different posture from the world in this time to be compelling, distinctive, and alternative people, as we talked about in our recent series. And so it's with that, I want to share with you five unique opportunities that is presented to the church, to the body of Christ, to believers at large in a time of crisis. Five unique opportunities in a time of crisis. The first opportunity that all of us has as the, as the body of Christ as believers is this, is an opportunity for deep reflection. And this time has borne anything. It would be that we have all been forced to consider the state of our discipleship. In this time, as we face challenges, we are often drawn and tempted to forsake uh, things that we have previously thought were vital and necessary to a faith, like gathering, like coming together, like praying for one another. And there is almost this big draw and pull towards self-preservation. I need to take care of myself. I need to take care of my family. These things are peripheral. These things are, are not as important as that. And so I'm going to defer away from that and actually focus on these things. And it's a real... Um, you know, I, I think it's a real opportunity. I, I, I don't want to be critical of any of you, but I think it's a great opportunity for you to take a step back and reflect and think about your state of discipleship, the state of your soul, even in this time. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, I know this, uh, 23, 25, this is a familiar passage of scripture. It's quoted very often uh, today, uh, but it goes like this. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. 
Now, there's so much to unpack in that verse, and many are quoting it as a case for not forsaking gathering. But I want to, to zone in on that last line. It says this, And so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, we don't talk about it often in our church, and I want to take responsibility of that, and I want to talk about it more. But I really believe, and this is a big part of my theology, that we live in the last days. You know, that, that people often say, you know, we are closer to the last days than we were yesterday. We are closer than we ever were before. And I really believe that we're living in the last days. In the last days, there will be unprecedented challenges. There will be challenges and crises that you and I will face that will far eclipse this present crisis. This would be like peanuts compared to some of the challenges that we face as the day approaches. And not to make light of the challenges that you face today. But I believe that there's a call for us to pursue resilience in this time. And this is a wake-up call for the church, for all of us, as we consider the state of our soul and our faith in our Lord. Simple questions, you know, like, like, like where am I at in my discipleship with Jesus? Who or what do I place my trust in? Will I remain steadfast in times of shaking? These are important questions we need to ask ourselves in this time. And so I want to call us out. I want to call us out from shallowness into depth. Into depth. This is a time where we deepen the roots of our faith. We deepen our relationships. We deepen our convictions. This is the time. The second uh, opportunity that we have in a time of crisis is this, that we get to examine our relational commitments. Now, we have a propensity to take things for granted, don't we, as human beings, right? Especially things that have become almost natural, routine, and predictable. Things like shaking hands, things like a hug, things like um, coming together, meeting. Now, these are all improbabilities uh, in this current moment. And it's so easy for us to forsake and lose our sense of connectedness in a time of distancing. And also, by extension, our value and commitment in relationships. Now, with the church going online, I have mixed feelings about it, right? It's so convenient. It's so accessible. I love the advancement in technology. I love that we are flooding the internet with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that people are getting saved online. I love all of that. But, you know, in my heart, you, know, I, I, you may call me old school. You may call me like stuck in old ways, but I love the physical gathering. I believe in proximity, and I believe that that you, know, you need proximity in order to build true, authentic community and relationships. I talked about that a lot. I'm concerned with the potential values that may accompany this new, accessible, convenient form of church. And so it's the time to examine our relational communities. And so in this time of distancing, I want to encourage you to ferociously fight. I use the word, ferociously fight. To stay connected. Social distancing should not equate to relational distancing. It's especially in this time where we are far apart, where we're distant and separated from one another, that we should make every intentional effort to stay connected. You know, this uh, thing of social distancing is so necessary, so important in this time, even as you're trying to control the spread. But there's been studies and statistics that show that social distancing does lead to uh, to uh, feelings of loneliness, obviously, but it also exacerbates certain mental health conditions and it can have lasting effects that go far beyond the term of the disease. And so I want to encourage you in this time, maintain connection, fight for relationships. 
You don't know the people uh, that are hidden, you know, that are stuck at home, that the challenges that are faced. There are people in the community that are going through tough times right now, both financially and relationally, and some are navigating this spiritual uh, narrow road that I mentioned earlier. And it's a challenging time for a bunch of people in the community. And so I want to encourage you to move beyond assumption into asking. Move from assumption. Move from assuming that everyone has it figured out, that everyone is okay into asking. I want to encourage you, pick up a phone and call people. Old school, don't text. Call up your friends and say, hey, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Are there anything that, that's challenging you? Is, is there anything that is weighing down hard on you? How can I help? What are some critical needs I can meet? Let's fight for these commitments. Let's fight for relationship in our community. The next opportunity we have in a time of crisis is this. Disruptive margin. Not many of you have been issued like homestead orders, quarantine orders, and some of you are, have work from home arrangements. And it's almost like you no, know, this beautiful schedule that you built up as a good functioning Singaporean, like gym in the morning, work, and then like gym again, and then like dinner with friends, and then drinks, happy hour. This beautiful schedule, this like ivory tower that you've erected for yourself, it's all crumb, crumbling down. And most Singaporeans are in caught in like a state of flux. Like my schedule, my beautiful schedule. Now I'm staying at home. What should I do? And we have all this margin and most of us don't know what to do with that margin, right? So what do we do? We binge Netflix. <laughs> you know, we watch a bunch of shows. We watch like 15 Korean dramas and we do all these things. But encouraged by God's word in Ephesians chapter 5, um, verse 15 to 17, it says this in, in God's word. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. In 16, it says this, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, our schedules are going to move around in this time. We are going to have tons of flexibility. You have more time and margin that you know what to do with. But I encourage you to approach this margin with the lens, with the perspective of redemption. What can I do with this time? to redeem things. Now, one of the great temptations during this time is to binge on mindless content out of boredom. But it could be real opportunities for you to grow in depth, for you to grow in prayer, for you to grow in knowledge. Maybe, you know, just consider reading some of the books that you never got around to reading to. Deepen your faith, deepen your knowledge, deepen your relationship with God in this time. Don't waste these, this margin, this time that you have. The last thing you want to be said of you in this time is like, hey, what do you do with that two weeks of margin they got? I just watched like, Love is Blind 15 times. And that's all that you have to say about the two weeks that you were given. What if you know, we could go like, with that two weeks, you know, I read 15 books on prayer. I read through half of the New Testament. I deepened my faith in God. Wouldn't that be a life well lived? Use that margin. And parents, you know, you're at home now with your kids and many of you have this sudden like uh, you know, margin to be with your kids a lot more than you previously did. And some of you might enjoy it. Some of you uh, honestly find it uber-duber challenging. And our encouragement to you as a staff team is to use this time to build the ministry of the home, to build your kids up in the Lord. Hey, you know, now that Sunday school uh, is no longer an option uh, and we're lo looking to get uh, online content to you for you to use and resource you with that kind of stuff. But hey, the, the, the ball is in your court now. You, uh, instead of a Sunday school teacher, has the burden and responsibility and I would say privilege of building your kids up in the faith. 
Don't just build them up to be good people. Build them up to be Christ followers, to be disciples of Jesus. And that is your role. That is your job in this crisis, in this time. You get to disciple your kids to be Christ followers. This is an opportunity. Disruptive margin. We have it. I want you to move from pointless binging into godly immersion, to immerse yourself in the things of God. The fourth point is this, and I hope you're still tracking along and have not gone for a toilet break. But the fourth point is this, it's a call to prayer for the church. And all through history, we find that the church is at its best in the middle of crisis and when it's mobilized in prayer. And in this moment, we get to do both. We get to live and be the body of Christ in the midst of crisis, and we also get to be mobilized in prayer. Now, we talk a lot about prayer as a contemplative practice. It's a pathway to experience the presence of God. Rightly so, but we see all through the library of scripture that prayer, this practice of experiencing God, will often lead us from a place of contemplation into contending. It's when we experience and feel the things that are on God's heart and it compels us, it postures us, it bends us into a place of deep and earnest intercession. And I want us to to intercede. I want us to pray bold prayers of faith and trust God to heal our land. It's interesting that the disciples, after walking with Jesus and seeing all the things he did, casting out demons, multiplying food, praying for the sick, after seeing all these things, the disciples, when in their interaction with Jesus, they, they said, Jesus, we want you to teach us this one thing. And in spite of all that they saw and all that they experienced, the one thing that they asked Jesus to teach them was how to pray. Jesus, teach us how to pray. And in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray this way is what we commonly know as the Lord's Prayer. He taught them this. You know, he taught them, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And this prayer, I won't go on to recite the whole prayer, but we see various elements in this prayer. In the mercy of the Father, the meeting of personal need, repentance, divine grace, protection from temptation, and contending for heaven to invade earth. I would like to say that everything in that prayer, all the elements that we read through, is a manifestation of that reality where heaven invades earth. That's the basis of all intercession. You know, folks, there are two kinds of hunger uh, that I've come to know. There's a hunger that, uh, that goes like this. You know, I sit on the sofa, I get hungry, and I turn to Amy. I say, Amy, go to the kitchen and fix me a sandwich. Now, I never say that because I want to stay married, but I'll just use it as an example. Like, Amy, go to the kitchen, make me a sandwich. And I lie in my sofa, in my recliner, and Amy comes and brings me a sandwich. But there's another kind of hunger. There's a kind of hunger that's so compelling that you actually get out of the chair and do something about it. And I want to cause to that hunger. I want to cause to a hunger that will actually compel you to do something about it. To not just think, hey, that's a good idea for God to heal our land. I want to call you to a hunger that will actually do something about it, that will actually make sacrifices in that direction, to commit time, to commit energy, to commit effort, to seeing that happen on the planet. I want to call you to move from passivity into hunger into deep robust spiritual hunger this is our time and the last uh opportunity unique opportunity in the time of crisis is this that we get to launch and start and spark movements of compassion movements of compassion if you look back in uh in all uh, the crisis that has plagued human history you will find that this is actually the church's strong suit to do well, to thrive in the midst of crisis, especially when crisis plagues uh, society at large. 
260 AD, history notes of a plague that devastated the Roman Empire. The wealthy fled the city. Anyone thought to have symptoms of the plague were immediately tossed out to the streets to die. But the Christians gathered these people from off of the streets to nurse and to care for them, putting their lives at risk. It was said that they truly believed that they had eternal life and therefore they were willing to give this short time on earth away in service of Christ. The Bishop of Alexandria, Dionysius, says this about them. He says this about the Christians, that they would also take up the bodies of the saints, close their eyes and shut their mouths and carry them on their shoulders. They would embrace them, wash and dress them in burial clothes and soon receive the same services themselves. That they did not love their lives even unto death. The last call uh, for all of us in community in the time of crisis is this, from us, for us to move from apathy into action, from apathy into action. Will Willimon says this, right, and this is a quote I've quoted a couple of times, but it's so profound and so true in this time. He says this, The most eloquent testimony to the reality of the resurrection is not an empty tomb or a well-orchestrated pageant on Easter Sunday, but rather a group of people whose life together is so radically different, so completely changed from the way the world builds community, that there can be no explanation other than that something decisive has happened in history. The proof of the resurrection, the proof that Jesus lives within us is that we will be compelled into love, into action, abandoning self-preservation and all that it stands for. And I want to close off by sharing a few initiatives that we're looking to launch in the next few weeks that will help us unto these goals, that will help us capture and take hold of these five unique opportunities. The first one is this, you know, that we are launching a Zoom uh, prayer room platform and more details will follow in the coming weeks. Now, this is an opportunity for you to engage in prayer in this time. And so we will send out a Zoom link for specific times or specific dates. You can join in to this virtual prayer room and all of us, you know, wherever we're at, we're going to log in and we're going to pray and contend for God's hand to be upon our nation for this disease to pass for there to be an end to the cases and the deaths that we're seeing escalate on a day-to-day basis. And so we're going to have this Zoom prayer room, but it's also an opportunity for you if you're facing a challenging time in this time uh, for you to get prayer and support. And so, you know, you can log in uh, on a different link, set up a time uh, through uh, the platform that we're going to establish, and you can register for prayer and support prayer. And one of our staff team, one of our pastors, We'll get in touch with you, set up the call, and you can get prayer, support, and counseling if you need to. And that is a resource that we feel is going to be helpful, especially in this time. The next thing is this. Now, we are looking to launch a podcast. Now, this has been a dream of mine and my buddy Axel. We want to start a podcast. And we're calling the podcast The Daily. The Daily Podcast. You know, in this time, with our access to media, various news outlets, uh, channels that we subscribe to, we are literally being uh, inundated and being like assaulted by an endless barrage of news and information. And while that is important for you to be informed, for you to be aware of what's going on, uh, too much of that would actually shape your worldview, form your perspective, and 
uh, stir your heart in the wrong direction. And so it's with that in mind that we want to subvert, we want to provide a compelling alternative to the new source, as valid as it may be, but we believe that Scripture, God's Word, God's truth has a final authority on the earth. And so uh, the goal of this podcast is to have a podcast out by every morning uh, during the week, and so you can listen to a podcast. It will range from five to eight minutes. I'll be sharing some thoughts on it, read a passage of scripture, expound on it a little bit, and you'll end with a time of prayer. And this is something, a great resource that you can plug in, listen to, and uh, listen to it on your way to work. And I really believe that it will help inform your perspective and help stir and direct your heart in the right direction. And so I want to encourage you to jump on and log in on, into that resource. And the last uh, initiative we have is this, and Janice mentioned it in our time of announcement, is this. For us to love our city and now we have a couple of great initiatives that are coming up i want to encourage you to sign up for these initiatives hey you no know, let's be the people of god in this time let's be the hands and feet of jesus to a broken world you know i heard an incredibly cheesy saying this week a pastor goes hey wash your hands but don't forget to wash feet uh, so cheesy, right? But I, I'm sure you, you understand what he means by that. Like, hey, wash your hands, do the responsible thing, but don't forget to wash feet. Don't forget our call as Christians, our call as believers to serve people in need, to serve those around us. As Christians, we do not forego our responsibility, our call to serve simply because we are in the midst of crisis. Rather, crisis presents itself as an opportunity for us to up the ante, for us to do even more than we did before, to serve those who are in need. Churchill, uh, Winston Churchill once said, never waste a good crisis. Never waste a good crisis. And I think he meant it more as a political statement rather than a redemptive statement. But I believe that statement rings true in this time. Don't waste a good crisis. Don't waste a good crisis. In the midst of challenge, use it to deepen your faith, to deepen your relational commitments, to utilize this margin for the things of God, to pray in faith, and to serve with compassion. You know, we're familiar with the story of Dunkirk. And uh, Dunkirk, we know, is the miraculous evacuation of British the British forces, and it was popularized and uh, made known uh, through the Christopher Nolan film. I'm sure many of you have watched that. Uh, now, Churchill was famously, famously said uh, this prior to the operation. Churchill said this about the operation. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a dark new age made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. Let us, therefore, brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say, this was their finest hour. Church, I believe that this time could very well possibly be our finest hour. This could be our finest hour. Church, we live in a time of unprecedented crisis, but... In the midst of all that we face, we are presented with unprecedented opportunity to deepen our faith, our commitment and love to one another, and for the church to be the church. This is to be our finest hour. Let God's light eclipse darkness. Let His miraculous power invade all impossibilities. And let the church be the church. This is to be our finest hour. Amen. Awesome. Can I invite you to stand wherever you're at? And I would like to uh, pray for you and uh, close this time.
out with a couple of prayer of blessings. Now, uh, as you're standing there, um, you know, I, I talked a lot about uh, the church being the church for us to respond well in crisis, in the midst of challenges, and for us to be sort of like, be the hands of feet of Jesus to a broken world in need. But I don't want to make light of some of the challenges that some of you might be facing. I know from speaking to some of you that some of you are facing some really tough uh, financial uh, struggles, you know, and you have to make some hard decisions in the time to come. Maybe some of you are business owners and you are struggling to make ends meet. You might have to uh, lay off some people and it's a really tough time for you. Uh, maybe, you know, relationally you feel uh, really affected by this whole time. Maybe people disagree with your stance. Maybe you're an incredible extrovert and the sheer lack of human touch and affection is just withering your soul away. And uh, I don't make light of that, you no, know, but it is a tough time. I would love to pray for you in this moment, uh, if you allow me to. And so if you're facing challenges of any kind, this time has been particularly hard and you are battling such anxiety and fear and just shakings in your heart and your spirit, I would love to pray for you and trust that God is going to meet you right where you're at. So if you allow me to, just bow your heads, lift your hands and believe God's Spirit is already upon you. He's touching you right now. His Spirit is resting upon you like a gentle dove bringing peace to the storm, stilling your heart, calming your emotions. God, I thank you that in this time that prayer knows no distance, that we can look to you and pray. You see all things. You are in all things. You are everywhere. So God, right now we lift up all that we face, every challenge, every circumstance, every need before you. And we trust that you're able to meet these needs. That you're able to invade the seemingly impossible by the power of your spirit. So God, we yield to you, we invite you to come and have your way in the situations. Bring deliverance, O God, even as we fear you and your name, even as we revere you, mighty King. Bring deliverance into these situations. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Second thing I'd like uh, for us to do, uh, even as we wrap up this time shortly, is uh, I gave us a call to prayer. You know, I, I talked about it, uh, albeit really passionately. And uh, I want us to exercise that in this moment. You know, it's such a great opportunity, right? All of us are scattered all over the nation of Singapore. You know, we are all in our houses. We're all tuning in. And I would like us, you know, with all of us in the body of Christ being scattered all around the nation, for us to stand up in this moment. And I would like to call you to a posture, a time of intercession, Let's believe that God still answers prayers. Let's believe that when the people of God come to Him in faith, come to His throne with boldness, with courage in their hearts, and come presenting our request to Him that He will honour that posture, that He will honour our prayers and our hearts, even as we lift them up to Him. And so in this moment, uh, I would like for you to stand up, to uh, begin to pray bold prayers of faith in your own way. You can pray in the Spirit, you can pray in English, you can pray scriptures. Uh, you know, I encourage you, even if you're near a window, uh, look out the window, point and declare out to the atmosphere, to the environment, to your community, to your neighborhood. Just declare the peace of God to invade all situations, to calm all anxiety, for this disease to be halted, to be stopped in its tracks, for the miraculous power of God to be felt and experienced and made real in the lives of people. Let's do that for a moment, shall we? Let's begin to intercede and call upon the Spirit of God and let's ask for heaven's reality to be made us, for heaven to invade us. We join with the disciples' prayer. Come on, lift your voice in this moment. 
Lift your voice. Shakarama handai. Shorabayende rebesita rabakit. Kotaramayende itoromoyata rabashikatarabaso. Aramayete rebeshitarabakotarabasata. Oreme de rabashuto kotamasata rabide. Yes, Jesus, we believe in your miraculous power, your wonder working power that is still alive and at work in this time, in this moment, in our day. God, we ask for your hand to be upon our nation, for your hand to be upon our community, for your hand to be upon our lives. Come rule and reign, King Jesus. We know where your kingdom is established. There can be no sickness. Sickness is incompatible with your kingdom. So God, we ask for your kingdom to be made real today on earth as it is in heaven. We give you praise and honor. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The worship team is going to lead us back to song. I'm going to invite you to keep praising God and let's declare the glory, the grace, the power of our God wherever we're at and watch what God will do in this time. Amen. God bless you.